Hello and a warm welcome to Translate Stars podcast, a podcast created by language professionals for language professionals. Hi everyone and welcome to another episode of the Translate Stars podcast um, with me, Helen. Today we have Delfina Morgantini Hernandez joining us, who is a writer, marketer, and an English to Spanish transcriber and copywriter. Um, she prides herself on helping brands and other translators to boost their conversion potential by helping them to create disruptive content that converts. So Delfina, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Helen, for having me. Okay, so I'd just like to start off by asking, um, what was it exactly that led you to focus on marketing and branding as a specialization? Okay, um, well, several years ago, a, a project landed in my inbox as I was starting out as a freelance translator, and this project was unusual. Um, the project manager who sent it to me, she knew me personally because we had been uh, students together at the Translators Training College and she remembered that I had a flair for literature and writing fiction and being kind of what people would call cre creative. And, and she said, hey, you, I know you like writing and literary stuff. This looks like kind of literary translation. Um, would you like to work on this project? It's, uh, you know, you will probably charge by the hour. You have to translate from English into Spanish a couple of taglines uh, by uh, branded characters for cereal boxes for well-known brands. And then again, you should translate them back into English because the client wants to see how um, the adaptation has changed or not, or how, or how much uh, the original meaning. And that was the transcreation project. Mm -hmm. And in transcreation, um, in transcreation, you need, you need to speak the language of marketing and branding, as I realized uh, at that point. And um, I decided to pursue uh, my studies as well in, in marketing after that. Uh, I started with a few online courses, then with, um, you know, in-person workshops and finally a university course in uh, advertising because I realized that if I wanted to develop a competitive edge as a transcreation specialist, For, client, for the kind of clients that I looked forward to working with, I needed to be seen as their peer, as their equal, not just as a translator who did something kind of creative, right? Yeah. I, I, wanted, I wanted to talk to marketing specialists as a marketing specialist, and that of course wouldn't be done uh, overnight. So it took years and, it, and, and I always say, that specializations don't really uh, come to an end. I mean, they're your constant work in progress. We all are, but 
uh, when it comes to specializations, I, I don't think of them starting at one point and finishing at this end, end point. No, you have to keep uh, specializing, studying, reading, listening to podcasts or whatever helps you stay updated, especially in fields such as marketing, technology, which are changing, constantly changing, right? Yeah. So that was the point when I decided to do that. Okay. Okay. And we mentioned in the introduction that you focus specifically on, on trans creation. Um, so for people who don't already know, could you explain how marketing and branding relates to trans creation? Sure. Um, usually, as translators, um, we need to focus on the source text. We need to focus on this notion of fidelity. Um, quality is usually measured by whether we have been more or less faithful to that source text. That implies that we should not accept for certain cases that really call for it, add, omit um, things, uh, introduce things that weren't there in the source text, uh, etc. In transcreation, we may add or omit ideas. If uh, from a marketing point of view or a cultural point of view, that is necessary. So, also, as trans creators, we are not uh, just working, let's say, on a language level. Um, our clients expect us to be cultural advisors, but to also have this marketing verbiage because a project assignment in trans creation will usually include terms that have to do with marketing. In fact, when we are assigned a brief, we transcreators, um, this, this, this brief thing is already a term proper that comes from uh, marketing and advertising verbiage. So if you don't know what a brief is and what a brief is supposed to contain for you to do the work, because you don't know a little bit of marketing, at least a little bit, then you will be kind of lost in the beginning. Uh, usually this assignment will include things like target audience, yes, that comes also in projects uh, for translation, um, but mainly uh, we have um, terminology referring to market segments, uh, a buyer persona, for example, what a buyer persona is, that has to do with the target customer and their particular features, you know, for, for a brand, um, for a product, for a service. So the reason why you need to know marketing and branding is because your client will be talking to you in those terms. They will be telling you, okay, these are our marketing objectives. And these, uh, this is the kind of people we're targeting. And they will be very specific, um, okay. whether or not they are localization companies or direct uh, clients such as brands directly. So you need to know that language and understand those concepts in order in order to do the work, basically. Okay. Okay. So would you say then that um, that translation 
translation is more loyal to the source text, whereas transcreation is more creative. Um, do you think that's a good way to, to define each of the two processes? Mm. Let's just say, yeah, it's really hard uh, to say, okay, from this point to this point, this is translation and then transcreation and then localization. I mean, I see lots of blog articles and um, website content from localization companies trying to explain the differences. And if you do some research on Google, you'll find that each company defines the concepts and the services they provide to their clients differently. And there's a reason why that happens. It's because um, transcreation is still very subjective. There are some books on it um, based on practice, um, but I mean, translation is, is already a creative, a high creative and intellectual activity, right? Yeah, we can definitely. think of it as, as an art as well. And transcreation, yes, requires, requires more creativity, but in the sense of um, the willingness and the courage to stray further from the source for a reason, right? It's not like, yeah. okay, I'll just do whatever comes to my mind because I'm highly creative. No, <laughs> it's always within the limits, sometimes within character limits, sometimes uh, within, always within the marketing objective limits set by the client and the cultural uh, frame set by the target culture you're trying to, to aim at. Just to sum it up, uh, while translation will try to reproduce the source uh, text and meaning in the target language with changes because from the moment you translate, you are swapping from one language system to another. Transcreation will focus on recreating the effect of the source. The effect is not the same as the source per yeah. se. So we focus on whether, well, okay, so if the source makes you laugh, the transcreated version should not just convey meaning and be grammatically correct, but it should also make you laugh, even though there's a change in culture in language system. Exactly. I think that's, I think that's a really good way to, to explain the difference between the two. So then- You are a transcreator. Too. So yeah. if I'm not being clear, please, please say, say no, so. No, no, I, I completely agree. I think I think it's the I think it's the effect that you have on the on the reader or on the audience that you need to recreate with transcreation. Um, and obviously the the way in which you do that is perhaps we could say it's far more open than it is with translation, but it's still exactly. it's still translation in 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 some sense. Yes. Yes, with these added um, things that we need to do. Um, yeah. yeah. Okay, so when you receive a transcreation pro project from a client, um, yes. how do you normally go about um, working on that project and what does your tra transcreation workflow look like? Okay, so mm, I normally work with uh, two different client types, translation agencies, 
and advertising an agency. That means that I rarely get to talk to um, the, the brand itself, right? To, yeah. to the marketing manager or the branding um, a director at a, at a brand uh, company. So in both cases with advertising agencies and trans creation specialized localization companies, I usually receive a brief, as I was saying earlier on, which means uh, that I receive a detailed um, sheet or yes, details on what the brand means to do by uh, having a certain message transcreated into a different language. What they mean to do in terms of marketing, in terms of communication objectives, what the target segment uh, is like, and what their buyer persona is like, or end customer, let's say, to simplify the term. Those are the basics. Apart from that, if the brand has already worked with transcreators before, um, I may receive, as every other translator, I guess, in most ideal cases, guidelines concerning grammar, how, you know, form of address, register, style, whether or not we should convert units of measurements, all that has to do with the style guidelines. But apart from that, what I usually receive and that I really personally love to see is the a brand guidebook or a brand book where you see uh, the brand's identity that has nothing to do with, you know, with translating localization. No, no, no. This is the brand's book on who they are, what their values are, their vision, their mission, their purpose. Sometimes I get to see um, their design, you know, their color palette, or how they usually phrase their copy in the source text, their tone. And that is very, very important. Again, here we can see how important it is to know marketing and branding in order to be able to interpret that information and use it in your favor and in your client's favor and best interest when working um, in the transcreation. My workflow is reading these materials, uh, getting familiarized with all these materials, um, <clears throat> analyzing the source, which means taking a minute to breathe in, <laughs> take a look at the, at the text. Okay, there's rhyme, all right. There's uh, a pun, okay. Um, you will usually, as a transcreator, you will usually find um, creative challenges in the source that may come up in the form of rhetorical devices. Rhetorical devices are very common in slogans, taglines, um, email marketing messages, uh, sometimes blog articles, spots, you know, um, even 15, 30 minute uh, scripts for TV or YouTube videos. Okay, there you will usually find a lot of uh, rhetorical um, devices being used. Sometimes they are very simple, but they still need to be recreated into the target language. So I received the brief, I confirmed the job, I study these reference materials, I take a look at the source. If necessary, I resort to paper, like a paper notebook, where I can scribble 
a few ideas, <laughs> uh, sketch, so let's say something, you know, that may come up to, to my mind. And I get to work on the first version, which is the target version. Sometimes the client requires more than one target version hmm. into, you know, like I work usually uh, from English into Spanish. So I would need to come up with two different versions, sometimes three different versions into Spanish. And usually in transcreation, the workflow will, in many cases, not all, because it depends on the length on the, of the text and the budget, uh, but usually the client will request a back translation. That is a key difference in workflow with respect to translation. In translation, we know normally work as in CAT tools, we have source and target or source and target and um, in, in vertical and horizontal uh, columns. And that's it. We deliver, someone else edits, and then probably someone proofs our translation and that's it. In transcreation, we will work into the target uh, language probably more than once. If we create more than one version, then we'll, we'll back translate our own text and we will have that copy um, reviewed by someone else. At present, I'm doing more QA. I, I, I'm working more as a, as a transcreation reviewer. So, I re so I'm part of like, the ending stages of, of the workflow. But I do, uh, I still have to study the reference materials and I have to be on the lookout for, um, for the same errors that we normally check in translation, as well as anything that may be culturally inappropriate or that may deviate too much from the source to a point that the source message has completely uh, perhaps vanished and that may not be convenient for the brand. I don't okay. know if I was clear. Yeah. It's a little bit perfectly. complex. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so okay. Do, when you're going through this process, do you use any, any specific tools or any specific programs or is it very much a pen and paper kind of a job? Um, I don't. I, I don't usually use CAT tools for transcreation. Um, the, the clients I work with will usually use um, Word files, Excel kits, um, and that's pretty. Oh, oh, sorry, and and cloud cloud uh, tools, but Drive glossaries. But that's pretty much it. Um, there is a tool developed by a, by a localization company that's quite recent, that's been recently launched, but I haven't had the chance to use it yet because my clients are not using it yet. But apart from that, I don't know of, trans, of specific transcreation tools in the market. Okay. Um, yeah. Okay, so you mentioned that you translate mostly from, from English into Spanish. Um, mm -hmm. Latin American Spanish specifically. Yes. Um, yes. What kind of difficulties do you face when you're translating into Latin American Spanish? Sometimes also into Argentinian Spanish. Okay. Um, yeah. What kind of difficulties? Um, 
Well, can't, I can't really name. Well, well there is an example I may, I may uh, tell you a little bit about. This wasn't a transcreation project. You know, it's funny because sometimes um, in the middle of a technical translation, you may find that the author decided to be a little bit creative <laughs> with a subtitle or two that you weren't kind of expecting. <laughs> uh, that sometimes happens, right? Um, and there was a time when I was working on, a, on, a, on the revision of a um, technical data sheet for, um, it was a, a machine for cutting grass. I'm a cutting grass machine, I think. And uh, the author had written, maintenance made easy and that easy they had written in the capital e because this uh, product belonged to the e-series okay. of uh, yeah, of the brand so maintenance made easy it wasn't like wow super creative this is so difficult to do but <laughs> but uh but the translator I guess she was in translation mode, probably working under pressure, as we often do. And she had written into Spanish for Latin America. She'd written mantenimiento, which goes for maintenance, um, fácil, with a capital F. And fácil, fácil, okay, is an equivalent for easy in Spanish, but it makes no sense to capitalize that F especially because there is an F series, you know, within this, the, 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 this brand's uh, product range. And there we can see that if you take fidelity to the point of reproducing form in languages, you may actually introduce a meaning error. You may actually be unfaithful <laughs> to the ideas, right? The ideas. So. I spotted this as an editor for the job, I remember, and, and I thought, okay, what adjective could we come up with in Spanish that at least includes, maybe it's not an initial E, but at least includes the letter E to reflect this uh, pun in the target language. And I came up with uh, sencillo, which yeah. is a synonym for facile. It's, I, like I said, it's not wow, it's not like the transcreation of the year, but at least it um, it made up for this rhetorical device in the source. And I and I used mantenimiento sencillo with a lowercase e s, sorry, with a capital e and the rest of the word in lowercase. So we need to be. I think we all need to be on the alert for these kind of things because in the middle of a technical document, you may uh, come upon a slight um, play upon words yeah. and, and that needs to be reflected. It's not that you can say, but I'm just a technical translator, I'm not going, no. I mean, you have, you have to be on the alert for that and try to recreate it. And if you can't do it, um, let the project manager know, let the translator, let, sorry, the reviewer know, let your client know. Yeah. Um, so that, that kind of thing, you know, um, things that have to do with uh, playing with form, with, with the form of a language, with rhyme, 
um, with phrasing, with repetition, anything that has to do with rhetorical devices, those, those are the places where you're going to find yourself challenged hmm. with your creativity. And, and you will have to make choices and probably sometimes sacrifice a certain effect and replace it with another. If you can recreate the rhyme, okay, maybe you can use a repetition that will not sound redundant. Uh, if you cannot recreate alliteration, well, maybe compensate by means of another rhetorical device. But that's usually, I mean, generally speaking, those are the challenges in transcreation, pretty much the same as in literary translation, I should say. Okay, so if um, for people listening who are maybe thinking about um, breaking into translation, into transcreation, sorry, um, what advice would you give to them? I'd say um, take up your creative hobby, <laughs> your long lost creative hobby. Take it up again if you haven't in 2020, which many people have done. <laughs> I've heard of a PM taking up the ukulele again. <laughs> and um, yes, do, do that. Allow yourself some space in your daily, at least weekly routine, in spite of the work pressure and workload to be, to, to do something, uh, at, you know, being leisure and at the same time that requires you to use other parts of your brain that you may not be constantly using. I mean, if you're translating, you're already training your creative uh, sides of your brain. Yeah. But uh, with a creative hobby, you can also um, develop other skills and also learn without realizing that you're doing so because you might you might be playing something again and we need to, to do so to train this uh, creative aspect of our brains in order to be better able then after that to stray from the source in a manner that will truly resonate with the target audience and to not be afraid to do so so get familiar with being creative again. I say again, because as grown-ups, is it's usually the case that we have had, we've all had, have had something like this in our childhood, yeah. adolescence, that we, you know, stop doing and that we always say, oh, I should take that up again and I never have time and I can't do it. I'm a mom, I'm a full-time translator and a mom, <laughs> whatever, okay. Um, but try to even play with your kids, play with your, with your, um, not your cat tools, but your cats, your pets, your dogs, <laughs> whatever. Uh, do something that, that takes you, let's say, out of your comfort zone and your usual routine. Other than that, study um, at least the basics of marketing and branding. The differences between translation, transcreation and copywriting, if any. Google that, do some research on that, and start looking for localization companies that specialize in providing transcreation services for their end clients. Mm. Um, because if you're marketing your transcreation services to companies that do tons of different things, they may not be doing transcreation or they may not 
be focused on transcreation. And you need to go for those clients, if we talk about agency clients, that will value your, um, your interest in transcreation and that um, will send you a specific transcreation test to do um, that, that will allow you to showcase your creative skills. Otherwise, if you're uh, targeting um, agencies that do transcreation or that every now and then work on it, they may not fully understand the business. They may expect, may expect you to tell them how the work should be done. And if you're in your early stages, you will want to, to know that from them. So try to look for agencies that know business it's a it's still a niche service mm. i see more and more localization companies uh, adding transcreation and copywriting and seo marketing localization with general services that are not the same but are very similar yeah um, among themselves but these are still uh, niche services so um those are my general recommendations no, I, I completely agree, especially with what you said about finding agencies or clients that focus on transcreation. Um, because in my experience, um, sometimes you get sent a text that is classified as a translation and you have to inform the client that what they want is not a translation, they want a transcreation. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, yes, and, and the word is still new, and yeah. for many clients, it's still new. Um, yeah, that's true. Sometimes you have to tell the client what they actually need, and that happens beyond transcreation, right? I think yeah. it was Steve Jobs that said, um, well, that there's a quote by Steve Jobs where he says that uh, you sometimes clients they know they want something and they need something, but they don't know exactly what they want or need. And that is why, why also you need to know marketing because marketing is basically understanding what people need and providing it to them in the form of a product or service that will add value to them. That means that will stand for the uh, fulfillment of that need or the uh, solution for that problem. If you don't know these basics, uh, then you will probably find yourself wondering, what should I do? Should I tell them or not? Okay, so this comes yeah. with the job and I should just, and no, I mean, you need to tell them. Yeah. But for that, you need to know. <laughs> yeah, you need to know what you're talking about in order to have authority as well with your client. Um, True. And if it's a good client, they will appreciate it. Yeah. They will value that insight from you. Definitely. So just to, to finish up our conversation today, are there any specific qualities that you think a good trans creator should have? Hmm. Um, yes, I think, well, of course, the skill set that we identify as necessary for a professional translator, that's something a good trans creator needs to have. It's not that because we're dealing with marketing and advertising copy that we will, um, you know, break grammatical rules all the time um, or just do whatever. I mean, you, you need to create a message that will still be uh, free of spelling errors, grammatical issues, and that sort of thing. 
Um, apart from that, a good trans creator can act as a cultural advisor for the client. They can, uh, with the client, uh, probably spot um, things that may uh, be culturally inappropriate, even beforehand, even before dealing with the text itself from the brief, may maybe, or by reading and analyzing the source, a good trans creator should be able to spot these things. Um, and also a good trans creator will many times, I'd say most of the times, need to be good at writing in the foreign language, at expressing themselves themselves in the foreign language. Because as I said, you will most of the times need to come up with back translations. Mm. So you, <laughs> your brain has to uh, work, you know, from source to target and then back to, to the source text. That doesn't mean yet that you will copy paste uh, the original source text. That means that you will be transcreating your own transcreation back into the foreign language. So if you're not very good at the foreign language itself when it comes to writing, naturally writing with you know natural flow and stuff, then your client may get the wrong idea mm. from your work. Maybe you're just great at transcreating into your mother tongue. But when you transcribe back into your foreign language, if you have spelling mistakes, you make you know typos or or you phrase the message in a way that sounds like, in my case, bad English, they may think that their message is bad Spanish and, and that's not true. So many times when I uh, um, review transcreations, I see that the transcreator is very good. Uh, you know, working when it comes to working into the mother tongue, but the English back translations don't read like English. And so I mainly focus on, on fixing that um, so that the client gets a real idea uh, in natural English of what we are doing. Cultural um, advice uh, skills, um, the full skill set for a translator, and back translation skills. And say mainly those. And I always add your creative hobby. Focus on having at least one creative hobby. It's an investment for the long run. Yeah. Okay, Delfina. Well, thank you so much for your time today. I think we've all learned a lot. And um, yeah, we really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us. Well, I, I'm really happy that we've had this conversation that we've been planning for so long and, and I felt very um, comfortable. So thank you, Helen. The oh. questions were very, very relevant, I believe. <laughs> thank you very much. <laughs>